Welcome to the Wealth Academy podcast. Wealth is more than just money, where you will hear leading professionals share expert advice on how to become financially free, generate wealth, and legacy wealth. If you want to discover how to enhance your money mindset through strategies, tools, and techniques, then this is the podcast for you. Your host, Paul Lawrence Van, is a financial coach, two-time number one international best-selling author, course creator, and he has been assisting clients to enhance their understanding of money management to become debt-free, discover ways to build wealth, and to generate legacy wealth for over 18 years. Will you be next? Here is your host, Paul Lawrence Van. Good day, good day, everyone. I'm your host, Paul Lawrence Van, and of course, I host Wealth Academy Podcast. Our mantra is wealth is more than just money. And this is day 11 of the National Financial Literacy Month. And on day 11, I'll be talking about the status of youth financial literacy. In other words, uh, you may or may not have a child, but you may have one of the neighbor's children. Uh, in the community. You may have a niece in the community, a nephew in the community, grandchildren in the community. And there are youth groups and organizations out there as well that you can help learn what financial literacy is all about. So I'm glad that you could be with me during this episode, and I look forward to sharing it with you. Uh, One of the things I did after I retired from the Air Force is I worked for the governor of Maryland as a volunteer. He had a financial working group, and I, I met an individual in there, and she assisted me in understanding that uh, it was important to get financial literacy in the classrooms. And so I went and I interviewed and I I spoke with different state representatives uh, for the state of Maryland who worked in the Maryland legislature, and we were able to get Senate Bill 500 passed so that students can have at least an option uh, to take financial literacy as a course. It wasn't mandatory. Uh, I recommend that it be uh, mandatory, however, Uh, Something is better than nothing, and we were able to get that through. And so children can learn uh, what financial literacy is all about. It's one thing for an adult, a parent, or parents, or guardians knowing about it, but you want to pass on uh, that legacy to the youth because uh, there was a study conducted, and in this study, uh, thousands of high school students were surveyed on their preparedness for the kind of financial decisions and tasks that adults require. And in this, it included juniors and seniors uh, near their transition to adulthood, and they reported consistently low levels of readiness to take on financial tasks from evaluating financial products to establishing and maintaining credit to understand how to pay for college. Wow, I wouldn't know this because my daughter, that's what she's doing right now as a a senior about to graduate, and uh, it's something that children should all know. Uh, Even the FAFSA form, which is a financial form that you put in for financial aid, that requires a bit of financial literacy as well because you have to pull together so many uh, financial documents uh, in order to complete that. So let's talk about uh, financial literacy in the current state of our youth today. And it's very, very important that they are equipped with financial literacy, financial intelligence, and much, much more. So uh, among the most critical of financial skills is the ability to evaluate information and use it to make decisions that align with one's financial values and goals, i.e. a student trying to get into college, i.e. a student 
who is filling out uh, grant forms and, and financial aid form and forms for scholarships. You have to be literate in order to do that. You have to get the parents' uh, uh, tax forms. Uh, you have to get their income. And you got to look at the financial aid package that ultimately uh, will be forwarded to a student. And you have to evaluate it to see how you can navigate this to get your child into college if they choose to go. So uh, rather than uh, rote memorization, a complex financial system with forever increasing number of financial products requires an understanding of underlying concepts and a confidence to apply them in individual situations. And uh, prior to them, the students taking part in the financial education, less than a third of high school juniors and seniors reported that they felt prepared to compare financial institutions and select the best one that meets their needs. And that's represented 32% and slightly more students, but less than half or 47% felt they could select open and manage a savings or checking account, just to give you an idea. But what is the importance of being financial literate? And, uh, and here I'm going to post this particular uh, slide for you to see it. And it states here, get started as early as possible. The longer you wait, the more you need to invest. And what that means is even for a student, uh, students, in order for them to be able to, first of all, get a job, and then the money they earn from that job to be able to navigate it. And the sooner they navigate it and keep their debts low, they will begin to start investing. But compound interest plays a role in this over the course of the difference between a person st starting this at age 20 to start saving and investing money compared to one starting at age 50 or 60, the person who is in their 20s and 30s will save immeasurably more than a person who's starting out at the age of 50 and 60. So I wanted you to understand this, get started early as possible. The longer you wait, the more you need to invest over time. So let's get back into it in terms of what our topic is, and that's the st current status of uh, youth who have an understanding of financial literacy. Now, young people also reported low levels of confidence in their ability to establish financial habits that contribute to long-term financial well-being, budgeting, and managing credit. Half of the juniors and seniors said they were prepared or very prepared to set up and follow a budget. <laughs> I'm laughing because adults have a hard time with that one, but we'll go with it since it's in a survey. While just a third, 32% felt they could check their credit and maintain good credit over time. So these skills, budgeting and managing credit are essential as young people move towards financial independence and the decision they make in the next one to two years begin to carry consequences that can last much longer, directly impacting their lifetime financial well-being. Again, use just that example. If a student happens not to decide to go to a two or four year college, they can start working. And if they start working in, in more of a blue collar role than a white collar role, they can still come out ahead as long as they have that money mindset, that type of mindset that, you know, if they earn a dollar, they want to keep a dollar and, and looking at it from that standpoint. So uh, here are some of the things that the uh, high school juniors and seniors reported they felt prepared or very prepared to do. Uh, one is to, as an example, evaluate financial institutions and decide which is best for them. In other words, if, if it's a bank, if it's a thrift savings, if it's a credit union, uh, if they select open and manage a savings or checking account, 47% felt that they could do it. To set up and follow a budget to manage spending and saving, 
50% felt they could do it. That's juniors and seniors. And then to read a paycheck and understand what determines the net take-home pay. They have the gross earnings. Then they have the federal taxes, state taxes, and any other deductions that they have coming out of there. And then to check your credit, check their credit and maintain good credit over time. 32% felt that they could do this. Now, another thing to take into account is the shifting banking ecosystem. In other words, we know that normally if you have a brick and mortar bank on the corner in your community, you can go there and start an account. But there are a lot of online uh, apps out there which people can bank in. And oftentimes they pay a higher rate because they have less overhead, less personnel. They don't have to pay that, that lease on that brick and mortar structure they're in uh, or that real estate they're standing on. So uh, they are part of this shift in the bank ecosystem. And so, uh, for example, uh, I know that uh, I started a account myself, my first account, and I realized that I was had to pay some fees. And the minute I realized I had to pay fees because there was a minimum balance, I ensured that I reversed that account where there was no minimum requirement. But I guess in a sense, a bank does that to incentivize you to, to deposit more money, keep it at that level, and uh, that's what you want to look out for. So uh, as financial financial systems evolve, innovate, an increasing number of consumers are managing their financial lives online and using mobile apps. They can have a bill pay system set on there where they don't have to worry about if they miss paying, pay, making a payment on something or if they're late. Uh, rather than having paper checks and branch banking, the team surveyed reported feeling more comfortable with modern banking applications than they did with more foundational financial concepts like the old school way that I started. It was the old school way because I didn't have any other choice at that time because the online banking didn't exist. <laughs> I think I just told my age, but it's okay. While there is still considerable room for improvement, a narrow majority of young people, so-called digital natives, reported that they feel equipped to safely use peer-to-peer -peer payment. And like we have some apps out there, cash apps, et cetera, just to throw one out there, 52% of students felt that they can handle that. And then to protect their financial inf information online, about 54% felt confident about that and recognized money-related scams. 56% felt that they could identify that if it should rear its ugly head. So one of the things uh, to always consider, not only for our youth, but maintaining safety and avoiding scams are important parts of successfully using digital financial tools and services. And the same is true for non-financial activity online. And teens may be more comfortable in the environments because COVID-19 really kind of exposed a lot of things and made it important that the virtual platform would be the number one platform that most people use. And it works. It works for me. I know it'll work for you too, but you have to be paying attention. You have to be consistent and you have to be committed. And uh, a significant, a sizable minority of teens reported not feeling prepared to manage their financial in the, uh, the modern ecosystem, banking system. So let's talk about it a little bit. Uh, juniors and seniors reported and felt prepared, are very prepared to recognize money-related scams online and over the phone at a rate of 56% to protect their financial, personal financial information online. About 54% felt prepared or very prepared for that. And safely using the peer-to-peer uh, payment apps to send or receive money online. Uh, you can even include PayPal in there as well. And then recognizing uh, scams that use peer-to-peer -peer apps and they use a bank or credit union's online portal. 
So uh, it's good to see that they they feel comfortable about this because it is it's not the wave of the future, but it is the wave of now for all of us. So the sooner we learn, uh, the better off we'll be. Now, in terms of navigating uh, higher education, uh, many students and their families decided whether to go to college and how to pay for it. It can be a challenging process, and I know personally about this. And the decision to take out student loans among the first significant financial decision many students will make as emerging adults and the consequences often last for decades, i.e. the student loan debt crisis that's taking place now and the Biden administration just pushed back the student loan repayment until August 31st of 2022. And this is just really in many ways prolonging uh, the process and their pros and cons, whether it should be fully paid or, or having that debt, uh, do away with that debt or to let students pay it back. So I'm staying out of the camp of what people should do because I'm handling my own with my own child. <laughs> so when it comes to the plans after high school, most students and seniors, about 78% reported that they were considering a four-year or two-year college program despite their plans just four in 10 students said they felt prepared or very prepared to figure out the full cost of college that were interested in attending. And this is one I want students and parents to be very cautious with is that uh, my daughter applied for college and they offered her all student loans, not one penny from them from their uh, really great um, financial settings for this particular this school in particular, but they were not offering her not a grant, not a scholarship or anything, even though she's a 4.0 student, honor roll student, and uh, she has a lot of work in the community. Uh, a lot of times I believe that the, uh, the colleges, they make money off of these student loans, so that's what they're pushing. And yet this school in particular was willing to take in students from another country, even though they're not taxpayers, and they would allow them to come for free so that tells you where, where we are in this country in terms of taking care of our own. And despite their plans, just four in 10 students said they felt prepared or very prepared to figure out the full cost of colleges they were interested in attending. Close to half of students, 46% said they felt prepared to fill out a free application for federal student aid, but just a third of those same students, 32% felt they could read and understand loan offers they received. So uh, that's uh, part of what we want to look at in terms of ensuring that students really get what they need. So let's look at just a few more and we'll, I'll be finishing up. Uh, share of high school juniors and seniors who prepared, felt, reported they felt prepared are very prepared to figure out the college of students, cost of colleges they considered attending, 40%. Fill out a FAFSA form, 46%. Receive and understand loan offers they receive, including terms and fees, 32% estimate that their monthly payments for loans would be after they graduate from college and establish the plan. So this um, really kind of puts you in that position that there's really not an incentive for students to attend if they don't receive any funding like a grant scholarship, but pushing student loans is not the way to go because you end up in debt. Now, this is going to conclude this episode on day 11. This is episode 218. Thank you very much again. My name is Paul Lawrence Van. Thank you for being with me on Wealth Academy Podcast. Rate and review this episode and provide a five-star rating. Have a good day and see you on the next episode of Wealth Academy Podcast. Thanks for listening to Wealth Academy Podcast. Please subscribe and rate this episode on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts.
to get you or someone you know assessed for Paul's online financial freedom courses or money coaching in addition to resources associated with this podcast, email paul at info at paulvanspeaks.com.